So apologize to anyone who usually listens on Spotify. Uh, Do the Right Thing oh, yeah. episode is currently only showing 49 minutes. Um, it happened originally with all other platforms, but all the other platforms I was able to get fixed with some help from the awesome Castos team. Just want to shout them out. Um, Spotify won't work. So I will put a link to our direct MP3 uh, website link where we have the full episode. And if you need to listen to the full thing and you usually use Spotify and that's the only player you have access to, that's where you can watch it, listen to it just online. So just wanted to put that. So the cast is team was able to help you fix the problem. That's awesome. Yeah, they were. I wasn't sure what happened if it just like fixed itself or not. (laughs) Mostly, but they were able to, uh, they told me to like publish it with a 10 minute break so then they could look at the file beforehand. Mm -hmm. And that was able to help confirm to me that it wasn't the file problem and it wasn't a Castos problem. It was a hosting. It was like a translating to the hosting problem. Oh, okay. And so cool. they were able to like reload the file. And when the file reloaded, it was like, okay, there it is, 242 hours and 19 minutes, which I just wanted the person named Kim that was helping me out. I just wanted to see their reaction of just. They're talking about do the right thing for two hours and 19 fucking minutes. I, I imagined working in customer service for podcast company. <laughs> you probably, that's probably the one of the least weird yeah, things yeah. you've ever had to help true. somebody with. So, they yeah. probably were like, oh, finally, a two and a half hour podcast of something worth paying attention to. <laughs> right. At least they're just talking about something normal like a good movie. And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Pod, where we watch and discuss movies in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I am Dylan Quayer. I'm Jana Gardner. And I'm Nick Fulton. Today we're discussing our season three wrap-up. Um, we're going to be giving out awards, discussing the different wrap-up corners. But first, a discussion, as we do every single season, and one of Ebert's most hated movies. And today's most hated movie is the great Paul Bartel's Death Race 2000. So, uh, I'll first ask, have you guys seen any other Paul Bertel <laughs> movies? Not that I'm I don't know. I need, yeah, I need, to, <laughs> I need to look at uh, what he's done, but I don't believe so. Well, here's what I will say. So, this, this movie is often referred to, or at least when I was looking stuff about it, as like Roger Corman's Death Race 2000, because mm-hmm. it's, it's a Roger Corman uh, production. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I would have to check and see. I might, this might be my first Roger Corman like produced movie, unless there's something super obvious, like in terms of his early sort of violent um, type filmmaking. So that was that was fun. It looks like this guy's mostly an actor. Oh, uh, mm. but he's Interesting. directed a movie called Cannonball, Eating Raoul, which I've heard of. That I've heard of, but have not seen. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Lust in the Dust, which I've never heard of, but is a cool title. <laughs> Great title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the answer is no. Uh, he is. I'm a. I'm a Paul Bartel neophyte. Me too. Well, it seemed like a good place to start. Um, 
Jana also brought up earlier yesterday one of the crew members that just blew her mind that was part of this movie's production. Yes, and I think which it might be connected to the Roger Corman of it all. But this movie is shot mm-hmm. by Tak Fujimoto, <laughs> the um, Oscar-nominated cinematographer, um, best known. Did he never win an Oscar? I don't think he's won one. Okay, um, I'm going to be mad. Check and, you can fact check me on that. Um, but if people are familiar with his work, it's most likely from Silence of the Lambs, like that sort of direct into camera, um, you know, close-up shot style that he did a lot of with Demi. Um, oh, also, he he's a cinematographer on Badlands. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Imagine imagine shooting Badlands in 1973 and then Death Race 2000 in 1975. <laughs> like, what a decade he was having. Well, and then two years after that, he worked on Star Wars. Yeah. He wasn't the main cinematographer. Right, but... but he did shoot on Star Wars as well. What a he has a crazy 90s run of uh, Silence of the Lambs, That Thing You Do, yep. and The Sixth Sense. That's one of my favorite That Thing You Do factorians is that he shot That mm. Thing You Do also. It's so fun. Oh, and Philadelphia. Right. That's right, because it's another mm-hmm. Demi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nominated. Um, maybe he actually wasn't even an Oscar nominated. I thought he was for Silence of the Lambs, so. but no, just one. just BAFTAs um, and, and National Society of Film Critics. But man, that's, this that's is not right. Madness. Um, but the movie also stars mainly uh, David Carradine and Sylvester Stallone. Sure does um, a pre pre Rocky Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about Sylvester Stallone in this movie. Yeah, we are. He's fucking incredible. He's good. When he was just like, I forget, he's mad at Frankenstein about something, but he's like, I ain't no schmuck. So I probably should let people know what this movie is about. I'm presuming most people haven't seen it. I certainly, we none of us had ever seen this before, right? No, no. But I messaged yeah. a friend of mine who likes like bad action movies, and I was like, "Oh, I'm watching Death Race 2000." You're saying he was like, "I watch it all the time." He's like, "This is your first time watching Death Race 2000?" I was like, "I didn't really even know about this movie until recently." And he's like, "Come on, man!" I Step I knew about it as like a notorious sort of cult film, so I, I'm sure there are people out there who love it and watch it all the time, and I can see why. Yeah, a bunch of my friends watched it in high school, and I just like wasn't ever I happened to not ever be around when they would watch it. So I've never seen it, but it's like a, a cult favorite of a bunch of people I know. Yeah. So I guess just very quickly, it's set in sort of a near future dystopia. There's been some kind of massive event that has created this like weird totalitarian American government, and part of society now is this cross-country race that people do um where not only are you racing but you get points by how many people you kill during the race which raises the question of why does it well they actually get into it it's like why would anybody leave their house while this race is going on (laughs) (laughs) the racers are coming through your town what are you doing but you know there there are people who choose to uh go out and get involved in the race for the thrill of it or what have you um not a single one of them survived. Though. No, no. Um, and David Carradine plays a character named Frankenstein. <laughs> that's that's yeah. pretty much what you need to know. I, the the five racers in this are Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Nero the Hero, mm-hmm. Matilda the Hun, mm-hmm. Calamity Jane, and Machine Gun Joe Viterbo. Which is obviously which... Sylvester Stallone is is Machine Gun mm-hmm. Joe Viterbo. Joe Viterbo. <laughs> 
and just incredible names. So the reason we're talking about it is because mm. on these like season wrap ups, we want to we've tried to focus on movies that Ebert hated, and um, he in his article we were talking about it just before we started recording. In his article, he doesn't even talk about the movie itself. He says, <laughs> you know, it was violent, and then there were a bunch of kids in the theater, and that's all he says. But first of all, it's not that violent, right? No. I mean, there, there were a couple of moments where I went like, ah, where, you know, there was a couple sort of bloody moments that sneak up on you, but they're fairly few and far between. It's not like it's nonstop graphic violence. Yeah, and it cuts Every away. Every moment from- of violence is very, very gory, but they play only maybe three frames right, it's of what's very going brief. on. Yeah. It's an insanely quick cut. Yeah. yeah. So in his article, he says, uh, quote, the killings are depicted in the most graphic way possible. And I, I don't well, agree with true. that at all. Like, <laughs> no. Uh, even for what the it, time, I don't, I didn't find it particular. I mean, it's more like little kids probably shouldn't have been seeing it in fairness to no, his main right. critique, but certainly more graphic movies than these came out. And, and like, you should know better. It was a Roger Corman movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's so he gives this film zero stars and a thumbs down. And then, like you said, the entire essay is basically about how kids these days like violence and that there were a bunch of children under the age of 10 who the movie theaters were just letting in unaccompanied and how basically this was ruinous for society and, like, the plight of urban children um, is his main concern. doesn't have a single, other than the violence, not a single mention of the movie and who's in it or if anything was good or bad. (laughs) The largest reference he gives to the movie is when Frankenstein's supposed to run over all the old yeah, people sure. and instead runs over all the nurses, which is the most comically unviolent part of the movie. There's just like these nurses that just, yeah, go, you just see bodies boom, like boom, flying. Right. And, and, yeah, if, <laughs> and there's no vi- there's no blood in that part. Even. Right. Just... And if anything, that's sort of one of the more like it's setting you up to think, oh, my God, he's going to mow down a street full of elderly people in, like, hospital beds and wheelchairs. And then it's a fake out, and he mows down the nurses who put them out there instead, um, which is very funny. And I, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a great joke. It's, it's a great joke. Like, it's very funny. And like you said. Even the announcer comes on yeah. after that, and he's like, great American humor. Run over the nurses instead right. of the old people. And he gave up points. You get more points for old people. So, you know, he, yeah. he sacrificed points for that. I w- we got to talk about the commentator people because just given earlier this week uh, a dystopian sort of uh, game show moment that I think all three of us freaked out about just oh. reminded me so much of the game show hosts in this. They felt very attuned to be on The Masked Dancer and reveal Elizabeth Smart as the moth woman. I was yeah. going to say, a lot, of, a lot of things bringing the Hunger Games to mind uh, this week. <laughs> and, and one was the, the truly dystopian um, sort of, I think, viral clip from The Masked Dancer um, revealing a kidnap victim to be the surprise person behind a mask. Um, and then, yeah, this is very, the announcers are very Hunger Gamesy y in, in this, mm-hmm. for sure. Very similar vibe. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, it's the movie is clearly not perfect. Um, <laughs> nor, like, 
Do you like the fantastic graphics that they use for the yeah. dystopian city that I have as my background right now? That yeah, is great. A, a pretty great, like, just drawing. I mean, it looks cool, but it's it's a drawing. <laughs> yeah, the, but I don't think the movie aspires to Mm-mm. reach the four star level of film. <laughs> they use um, literal Looney Tune sound effects in multiple parts of this movie. Yeah. Oh. There's a there's a straight up Wiley E. Coyote gag like, where they make a fake wall yes! and like a fake tunnel and have somebody drive off of a cliff because was, they, they, there's a that was one of the best parts. I was like, I, I couldn't stop laughing. It was yeah, incredible. They, so part of another part of the plot is that there's like a resistance. So there are people out there um, who are a resistance, I guess, to the government and to this fight, and so they are out there sabotaging the racers in various ways, including one who goes undercover with um, Frankenstein, Frankenstein as his navigator because all there's always drivers and then they have a navigator with them who sort of navigates and then also like works on the cars sometimes um, or is just really there to <laughs> have someone for the people to talk to in their cars mostly. <laughs> uh, but these uh, resistance people are the ones who, for one of the drivers, put up a sign that says detour and then like a, like a cardboard cutout of a brick tunnel entrance <laughs> that the person then drives through and flies off a cliff. And I laughed so hard. It was so funny. <laughs> Too. Especially because it was the Nazi. Right. Yeah, there yeah. are. Yeah. This movie opens up with, like, people in the stands waving Nazi flags. Waving swastika. And I was worried During that was the national be, anthem. Right. And I was worried that was going to be, like, the prominent sort of visuals of the entire film. It's really not. It's just, like, apparently that's the one racer's, like, branding. Woo! His Nazis. Um, but, yeah, then she drives off a cliff, so it's great. Yeah, my note, my first note was... This movie starting with the national anthem with swastikas in the audience introduced by a strong man in a bad haircut. Yeah. Nothing very, nothing like this today. Very very 2021 yes. vibes, yeah. Not timely at all. No. Yeah. God no. Yeah. Um Yeah, this movie is just I, I don't even know where to start. The one of the most insane things is the there's this massive twist like a third of the way through the movie. Because this Frankenstein character is like all deformed, and he, yeah, like, he wears a very creepy mask, and you can see like damage under one of his eyes, and so mm-hmm. you get very concerned about, oh God, what must he look like under the mask? And he's like, with very little prompting, he just like takes the mask off very early into the movie, and it's just David Carradine under there. There's yeah, it looks he has David yeah. Carradine. He looks fine. Yeah, it's just normal. He just has a normal face. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> this is like a reverse Phantom of the Opera effect. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> and the point of that is that's just his like that's his persona, right? Is that yes. he's he was injured in whatever terrible event happened and now he's this Frankenstein and it's supposed to make him all intimidating, but no, he's he's totally normal looking under the mask. Mm-hmm. There's one thing that I don't get about this movie. Um, just just one thing. Everything actually, else makes perfect see, sense. Yeah, you seem to be minimizing this movie a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's one well, thing. the other stuff I can I can by as being part of this like dystopian futuristic mm-hmm. society but they say that um frankenstein and joe viterbo both won the race before yeah and frankenstein mm-hmm. is the only person who's won it multiple times but as we find out in the last like maybe 10 minutes of the movie he is he's got a grenade hand Let, let's let's gonna... just talk about the fact that he has a literal hand grenade yeah, right. he yes, has he a, a hand grenade. <laughs> it's basically like the the buzzer that 
the Joker has. Is it in the first Batman movie where he like yeah. electrocutes someone There's, using a hand buzzer? Yeah, which is like a super old school style prank where you'd have like a little zapper mm. on your hand. Yeah. So he has one of those only it's a bomb and he's going to shake the president's hand after he wins to kill him. But he's already won twice before. Why didn't he do it either of those times? Right. We don't okay. really... Did, did they did they explain why he had a change of heart, presumably? Like, he used to be all in on the race, and now he's come to Well, isn't align with he, the like, resistance? a clone of many other Frankensteins that have died? Wait. I, th- I thought Is that a plot point in this movie? I thought, like... <laughs> He has, like, all these fake injuries from past Frankensteins, and most of the Frankensteins died from their injuries, but they keep bringing him back as this new Frankenstein. Oh, I thought it was that he was, like, a part of a group of people who they were grooming to be death racers, and he mm-hmm. himself had been, like, mutilated. Oh, uh, I thought time, it was, so like... To reconstruct him. Oh, hold on. I thought it was, Wikip- like... Wikipedia does of... refer to him as the current Frankenstein. Okay, I'm gonna get to the bottom of this. <laughs> okay. I... <laughs> I, I guess I read it as there were multiple Frankensteins groomed, and like each time there's a new one that dies, they give yes. him that injury that he died from, and put him back in the race and pretend like he didn't die. Okay, he is in fact uh, yeah. Well, he's one of a number of random wards of the state who are trained exclusively to race in the identity, and each time they die or are mutilated, they are secretly replaced so that the Frankenstein appears to be indestructible. So this may be this Frankenstein's yeah. first time. And he's like, okay. he's like sick know. of seeing like this repeated thing happen. Right. And he like, that's why I'm guessing why he uh, doesn't have a hand, right? Like that's a fake hand with the grenade on it. Um, and so he has all these. Yeah. Injuries. Okay. And, I okay. totally, I totally well, missed Now all I the plot, all the plot things are figured out. We don't have anything. I, will say, yeah. I don't think, I don't think he's Four a stars. clone. I, I will say, I think, I'm with Nick that I oh, think okay. they just raised a bunch of people. That's why they wear the mask, so they don't have to look alike. Um, he, they can just swap them out. I don't think he's a clone, although who knows? Um, it's not entirely clear. I think he's just like an orphan who they groom them to be these racers. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, make, guess, that makes sense. And I guess sense. this one, yeah, and then this guy was like, not on board. Um, and we should mention that his navigator is revealed, like, partway through is a member of the resistance she's the daughter granddaughter the granddaughter granddaughter. of thomas and Payne, who's the granddaughter of thomas Payne. okay got you i I had lost the thread on how they were really actually related to thomas Payne. um but yes she's like the the granddaughter of the leader of the resistance this thomasina Payne, um who we see out coordinating all these sabotage efforts and so convenient that she got embedded with a guy who himself is also a um, <laughs> wanting to undermine the race. Although yeah, he does not his tell her that. Resistance. He does not tell her that until the, like you said, final 10 minutes or so of the movie, really. I mean, yeah. obviously he's not that against her. He's just kind of like, whatever. Um, but yeah. Mm. Um, okay. The main other thing I wanted to talk about, which I sort of mentioned at the beginning, was the, like the, the, the fangirls. Like the group, the group oh, yeah. of girls, the one who like loves Frankenstein so much that they want to sacrifice herself <laughs> to be ki- the honor of being killed by him. That's maybe one of the strangest things in the whole movie is all these girls with their, they have like F shirts on, I think. Like they're all like a Frankenstein. It's better than wearing swastikas. It is. It is. It's better branding than swastikas for sure. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, there, there are some good deaths. I will say one death that's kind of... So we see different people who are out there getting involved with the race. There's the um, 
the bullfighting guy who's like bullfighting the car. That guy was great. That, that what, was, what was really... Calamity Jane doing? She just kept driving at the blanket. A Don't lot of drive... these drivers are. A lot of these drivers are very bad because there was also the one with the fisherman where like I could not figure out how that car chase was happening. <laughs> there's like there's a guy who's fishing who gets it like chased down. But my favorite. Um, part is the guys who are playing chicken it's not clear what they're doing at first and then someone says they're playing chicken like with the manhole cover oh my god and uh that does not end well for them including the guy who gets like caught halfway in the manhole (laughs) and then gets run over that's pretty that was a pretty gruesome death but like you said they only show like literal frames of the Mm. actual violence yeah um one of my favorite personal things about the movie is there's two pit stops in the movie. One of them is in St. Louis, and then the second one is in Albuquerque, which anytime, sure is. <laughs> anytime a movie mentions Albuquerque, I'm, I'm super down, and Nick is totally frozen. No, no, I haven't frozen. <laughs> oh. I was, I was, I was. You're so still! <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. I said the same thing. I was like, oh, man, yes, Nick. Jesus. You were, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting, by the way, on like a yoga ball, which is why I'm doing this and I shouldn't do that. I'll have bad audio. Um, but you were the opposite. You were just so rock still that it looked like your video. <laughs> no, I was trying to find something in my notes and I can't find it. So I was God. like, uh, I was uh, like that's scanning what notes. I look like when I'm focused apparently. Impressive. Yeah. Um, but, but no, I, I'm glad you called that. I was Adel, very happy I, to hear I made the Albuquerque shout out. I noted, made a note of that too. I'm like, oh, that's fun. Albuquerque movie. <laughs> yeah, it does. The movie does end in New Los Angeles, so it um it hits a couple of towns here. Um, yeah, I tried to look up information about where this movie was filmed because it has some really like strange looking. I don't know if it was just filmed in Southern California, probably, but like sort of weird industrial looking roads and things they drive through that I couldn't figure out where they must have filmed that. I don't think they did a real cross country race. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, we should also talk about, speaking of pit stops, by the way, not not to engage in any moral panic, Roger Ebert style, but for all of his concerns about the violence, he did not have to seem to have concerns about the tiny children um, being exposed to just the wanton nudity in this movie. Just oh, yeah. naked ladies, <laughs> as far as the eye can see, um, especially at that first pit stop place. Yeah, the portrayal <laughs> of sexuality in Death Race was more concerning than silly Looney Tunes violence, yeah. honestly. Yeah. The the violence really in this movie is pretty like <laughs> conservative is maybe um going a bit far, but when like when they show the old like the you know, do, do, the do, the dozens of old people on the street, they don't actually get killed. There's a part where they're trying to go after a baby. Yeah. That it's that not freaked me out a baby, for a second. Well, a, I first thought like was a, why a is there a family a out there picnicking? Like it, it should have been obvious in retrospect <laughs> yeah. that this was a trap because I'm like, why is there a family out there picnicking with a baby by the side of the road? Mm-hmm. And then people were still construction working on a road in a death race, though. <laughs> like that's true. That's true. <laughs> Poor construction workers. Um, but yes, yeah, yeah, I was I was worried they were going to run over that baby, and then it was a fake baby bomb. So and there, yeah, um, and there's another scene where. Is it Annie? Is it when Annie's yeah. driving yes. and she's like about to run over a kid and then she swerves out of the way at the last second? So really all the killings are people who either have it coming or right. are, are are not as helpless seeming as yeah. a right. child. The movie really sets you up with that beginning, an, an elderly this beginning person explanation with these like really funny sort of graphics explaining how the race works <laughs> and talking about the different points for old people and babies with like little drawings. They look like um, little really, bathroom symbols. 
Exactly. And it, re- it really sets you up thinking, oh, my God, there's going to be mowing down babies and old people this whole time. Uh, and then you're right. They, they really don't. The people who do get killed are either involved in the race or are just kind of, you know, baby in the cars. Uh, yeah, sort of out there. Yeah. Knowing what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I think the movie, like, obviously is doing that on purpose so that it's a little bit more palatable. Because yeah. if, if they are mowing down babies, you're not going to have no. fun, no matter how right. silly the premise is. Yeah. There's there's a line for kind of fun, cult, uh, violent movie, and I, I don't think mowing mm-hmm. down babies is on the right side of that. Although I have been forced to sit through cult, violent movies where that has happened, so... Yeah, but I think those are a, a different uh, <laughs> cult than this. Where you could see this like getting a good like midnight movie oh, crowd. Oh, totally. Yeah. People, people like getting real into it and like I don't know, jeering at the screen and things like that. Whereas some of those movies that you're talking about, like the the really just kind of vile like Serbian films, things like that, um, are probably not drawing like actual exploitation crowds. type or sort of yeah, provo- yeah. That's fair. One of my favorite things in this movie is the resistance aren't actually labeled the resistance by the government and by the uh, commentators. They're just referred to as the French. They blame it all on the French. That got a laugh out of me every time. Right. Yeah. The French are the enemy in this yes. in this movie. Like it's all about how much they hate France and how Fr- France is the enemy. It's so strange. Uh, but it, <laughs> yeah, it makes me laugh too. Um. One of my other favorite moments was when Frankenstein, I think it's after the first pit stop, drops his glove before the restart. And he oh, drives yeah. back around and he like lit, runs over the the person named the deacon of the bipartisan party. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Who's like this religious figure that is like the leader of the race. Um, mm-hmm. And they have to debate whether they're going to count the score of killing him. And then they do. What? They give it to him. Yep. That that was a, that was a good laugh. Yeah, there's some other things that happen that they like. The, one of sort of the, you know, actual co- some of the commentary in this movie is, you know, there's a lot of it's all propaganda, obviously, yeah. and there's a lot of things that happen that they cover up. We're like, well, we're not going to talk about that. We can't tell the people that happened, or they lie about, you know, certain things that take place because it's all, all government propaganda. Hmm. Um. One interesting thing I found out. Uh, there's someone that plays a mechanic in this movie, and I I don't know when this mechanic shows up. Um, my guess is it's one of the mechanics that uh, Joe Viterbo runs over when he starts up from the second pit stop. But when he just backs up, yeah. Out of them. But it's yeah. played. They're played. One of them's played by John Landis. Oh, the director. Hmm. Weird. I guess you know. Yeah, people just must have. This would have been a fun movie set to be hanging around. I have to imagine. <laughs> I'll be a mechanic in this movie. All right. Well, um, this movie could have really ended three minutes before it did and would have probably been better. You didn't like that weird coda at the end where Ah! he's the new president and... um... And he's narrating to camera and then there's a weird David Attenborough narration like (laughs) also. Yeah. It's It's a uh, weird ending. It's a very strange ending. ending. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, yeah. it felt really unneeded. The one, well, the one part yeah. about the ending that I did like, uh, aside from, I think it's hilarious that the reporter gets killed. <laughs> uh, yes, that was very funny. But the fact that he um, promotes Thomasina to a government position, and and she basically says we're going to deal harshly with the rebels. 
Right. Like that's a <laughs> that's just... a good joke about certain revolutionary yeah, right. types just not really meaning any of it. Right. No. Getting into power yeah. and yeah. I, I did like that too. The whole now like yeah, his putting all of his family in the government and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. about it though for the for the Yeah, yeah I don't think I had any other I don't think I had any other notes. Oh. I liked that. I, I did like when uh, Matilda the Hun run, ran over the navigator for Calamity Jane and mm. just screamed, Blitzkrieg! Yeah. <laughs> that was, that I was, was like, actually very funny. gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Stupid ass movie is so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, it's disappointing that, that Roger just couldn't even get anything out of it, that yeah. he was so shocked by the circumstances. That... It's, it, he's so disappointed by it. That he he writes more than half the review about someone else's survey of what children like in movies. I mean, he lo- he loves nothing more, as we know, to just spend half of his writing talking about somebody else's opinion about something. Um, yeah, he no, he shouts out some like colleague, another local Chicago reporter who took a survey that's like, it's basically, why don't kids like Westerns anymore? Why don't they like Which, horses? Why do wh- they like violence? Why did, why did people like Westerns back in the 40s? <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, the, those were the violent movies of their yes. day. But, yeah. <laughs> Which, it's, it's always so annoying when like, older generations complain about new generations and it's the exact same thing as what the older generations did oh yeah of course literal old men yelling at clouds right there. kids these days kids these days anyway i would recommend uh death race 2000 if people haven't seen it and yeah they can check it out it's a real fun we watched it just like saturday afternoon it's fun Mm -hmm. watch it's it's free on youtube they have a whole they have a whole print of it i was worried about not because i my canopy count is only from my uh unm Mm. Uh, library card uh and they only allow movies that are specifically for classes and i don't think there was a class that probably had death race 2000 as part of its curriculum there should have been not i there should have been (laughs) i spent 3.99 to rent this on itunes because i was too lazy to figure out how to log into my canopy account (laughs) all kinds of options available to you i wish i told you it was on youtube before that (laughs) i know that the youtube would have been helpful but it was fine it looked it looked great by the way that was one of the first things that jumped out at me just final note like it looked good i I guess it got like a shout factory blu-ray release a couple Hmm. years ago and that must be the transfer that i was watching because it looked sharp it looked great um yeah yeah, would recommend. Yeah, me too. I, I had fun with it. I think this would be better, like, uh, obviously right now. Uh, maybe it wouldn't be, but generally it would be better seen with, like, a rowdy crowd or a bunch of your friends. Oh, yeah. it just, would like, kind of be fucking such yeah. a fun, yeah, such a fun group movie when such a Drunk thing Pizza Night Watch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah really um, good night movie kind of stuff right. for sure. So we got to do some thumbs up or down. We'll go thumbs up. I'll go thumbs oh, up. thumbs up, yeah. This is the first Ebert bad movie that all three of us have given a thumbs up to. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Screw you, Armageddon and Usual Suspects. <laughs> Death Race 2000 is where it's at. I, I think I feel we good are with meeting that. the movie yeah. on its level. Right, also. right. You know, I, I'm not going to say that this that it's, this is like a better movie than The Usual Suspects. Like, but it's, you know, I'll it's, say it's a better meeting movie it on its level, I think. I would be pretty appalled if this were to, That's... like, win Best Picture or something like that. Right, I would, I would, I would, yeah, but have some what, questions. What but. if Sylvester yeah. Stallone won Best Supporting Actor? Mm. For the... <laughs> I uh, no schmuck. I'm not prepared to go that far. 
Right. <laughs> this is his his acting style has has developed uh, over <laughs> the years. This is early days even for him, and it's like oh. Um, but yeah, a lot of screen presence from minute yeah. one. I'll give him that. Um, mm-hmm. I did. I did. Oh, what? Uh, how many stars do you guys want to give? Yeah, we got to do stars real quick. Nick, um, I'm gonna go two and a half. Jana, I I'll also go two and a half. I was leaning two two and a half, but I think I had enough fun with it. Say so two. And for a half. for me, the oh. the distinction is like two and a half is a good movie with problems. And a two is a bad movie with some good things. Good yeah. parts. Okay. That's actually a really good way That's to a good think about yeah. it. Um, well, I was going to give this movie a three and a half out of four. Wow. I mean, you can. No one's stopping you. <laughs> uh, it's a really borderline three, three and a half. But I, I, I thought you were going to ha- say it was a borderline four. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's definitely not a four. Um, I'll, I'll go three and a half. I, I super cool. enjoyed this movie. Yeah, fun movie. I teased so, I teased you guys off air that I did have uh, an Ebert like experience oh. with a couple who brought in their yeah. their very small child yes. into a movie. Yeah. Fortunately for this kid's oh, yeah. uh, psyche, they fell asleep seemingly during uh, the Revenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, you've, God. you've told me about that. I before. think I did know that too and forgot about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they fell asleep due to boredom, like extremely early <laughs> on. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Honestly. This toddler's yeah, just sitting there like, I've, huh, the sun's in the trees. I, I wish, I, I can't think of a, like a really great example now, but I've definitely seen some just wildly inappropriate mm-hmm. like six-year-olds being brought in movies. And obviously it's like these parents wanted to see this movie so bad. It's eight o'clock on a Friday night and they couldn't get a babysitter. So they just like brought the kid. Um, I, yeah. I saw pre-teens at an 1130 showing of The Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. I mean... I, I would have tried to make that happen when I was that age, but I, I probably would have been stopped. Um, mm-hmm. I did a lot of, like, getting dropped off at that movie theater and then just trying to figure out what movie I could get into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was back also when you could, like, buy a ticket for one movie and then go into a different theater yeah. and yeah. just, like, chill. Did that a lot when I was, like, 13. <laughs> but, yeah. Hateful Eight is, is one that my Although I did see Hateful Eight with my dad when it came out, but I was, you know... 30 not yeah so (laughs) fair enough all right so moving on to the second half of the show um maybe the second third of the show um i wanted to start off with paper plate awards oh okay mixing it up yeah nick nick uh you go first with well well, this we're gonna bookend it with awards paper plates first and then actual awards at the end uh and remind people what paper plate awards are um, just silly awards to give out to people or things. I don't, <laughs> just, I don't... just special achievement in something in the movie, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Nick, you're you're first with broken blocks. So, keeping in mind that I am an Asian person. Uh... Oh no! <laughs> oh, oh man! No. It's back. You didn't have to. Oh. I feel back. like I need to. I feel like I need to preface this because uh, my paper my paper plate award for broken blossoms is best line, which is. Why are you so good to me, Chinky? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna make Jenna cry. Oh, God, I just I, I knew I knew it was coming. And of yeah. course, it's every time Broken Blossoms come up comes up, I uh, am compelled to say, uh, "Why are you that. so good to me, Chinky?" I, I wish. I mean, it's wildly you, it, it's wildly inappropriate. Um, but I wish like 
I wish there was a way you could use that screen cap more often. I know. Because that screen, <laughs> that screen cap of the inner title is so, it's just the funniest. Like, it's just so shocking. It's like you can't ever show that to anybody outside of context because obviously tr- it has a slur. I try it, to use it every but, day, oh but God. the situation never arises. <laughs> never comes up. Oh, God. That movie. <sighs> Crazy. Fair enough. Yeah. It would be it would uh, it so could Janet, get used more often if other people could use it towards me. <laughs> that, <laughs> but yeah, see, I'm, I'm not sort of, I'm, I'm not I'm comfortable not with that. that I'm, though, I'm not gonna no. throw that at you. No, <laughs> you I'm do good. something nice for me, and it's like I, I no. Would, <laughs> I would personally find it funny, but I get why you guys are apprehensive. I, I know, but I, know. I don't want to do would. it. <laughs> but oh my god, broken uh, blossoms. All right. Yeah. What a movie. what a picture. What a picture. Uh, Jenna, you're you're next with Casablanca. Okay, well, I mine is is this is not a particularly funny one, although coming on the heels of that, um, I it, for me Casablanca is just most quotable movie, mo- ah, most quotable movie achievement and quotability, um, for having six quotes on the AFI 100 quotes list, yes. <laughs> which is really, I mean, that's a full six percent of the list to a single movie yeah. for Casablanca, so. That is unironically the most quotable mm. movie. Um, yeah, that's it's interesting that you guys both used quotes as your paper plate awards. Yeah, I, that's just <laughs> where I went with it. I mean, we're going to highlight other good things yeah, about, yeah. you know, other yeah. things that I probably would have done. We're going to talk about in other contexts. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I I mean, I didn't. I, Chinatown's pretty damn quotable, but I, I, I didn't think of you to see my I don't know why I thought of this, but this is what I wrote down for Chinatown. Best use of urban water plants that spills more blood than water. <laughs> All right. Sure. <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, just and anything to shout out the like plot of Chinatown that is just, yeah, urban water it's planning. So, so much of it is just, yeah, what, what, what's the urban it's water plant? Da- it's about the dam and the reservoir and yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, the next is Nick with Citizen Kane. I'm going to go with best bird. And it is, yes, it is the bird that gets cut to with like the eye that you can see through <laughs> for no reason at no, all, other than to startle the audience. <laughs> it is startling. Yeah. It, 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 it really comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, now it's my turn for city lights. I did best futuristic invention in a non sci-fi movie, which is, uh, the doctor that is able to fix the eyes of a blind yeah. woman. Oh, right. <laughs> the ending of City Lights, which is if, as long as you get the operation, you can cure blindness. Right? Yep. That, that's totally something that was able to <laughs> be done in 1931. We'll, we'll catch it's up. basically we, a sci-fi plot. Yeah, we'll catch up. <laughs> yeah, we'll mm-hmm. get there. Yeah, of course. It's only been 90 uh, years. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, Nick, you go again. Days of Heaven. Uh, I'm going with, uh, this is a more serious one, best use of narration. And in these nine movies, there's narration in Citizen Kane, although it doesn't quite do it in the traditional way. Um, Casablanca has some narrative elements. Do the Right Thing has some narrative elements with uh, uh, Senor Love Daddy and mm-hmm. yeah. Detour. But sure. none of them compare to Linda Mann's for me. That's probably true. That's great. That's, that's a good call. Um, so now it's back to me with Decalogue. Um, I did, and I, I think this one's really obvious to do for Decalogue, which is just 
best reasonably priced apartment complex. <laughs> sure. There, I thought you were going to do most movie. <laughs> that would have worked really well, too. For having 10 hours of movie. Yeah. Uh, is it, is it uh, 572 minutes? So just under 10. That's a lot. Although I bet we could get over if we include a short film about killing and a short film about love instead of five and six. Sure. Yeah, that'd put you way over. Okay, so then uh, who did Detour? I'm sorry. So you have two in a row right now? I do, yeah. Our our scheduling, which, fair. And also Um, we had the Nomadland uh, and the film critic one that threw off between, I think, Cosplunk and This season has just been... Long, 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 long. We um, have had like but, three major holidays yeah, yeah. that have. I was taken. gonna say, but the and past all of few them months, were on weekends and right. yeah, and society yeah, crumbled entirely during. Right, I was gonna yes, say it's true. This this encom- yeah, this dates back. This season like run Cassav- like it, it goes yeah. from like pre-election to like oh yeah post democracy. I I know <laughs> Casablanca. We recorded we, we we recorded Broken Blossoms in September. Is yeah. how long this stretch? Because I know we recorded Casablanca the first weekend of October because I had my my dog visitor um, uh-huh. a million years ago. It was a million years ago. <laughs> um, all right, uh, detour. Speaking of, and Nick and I keep having our awards line up, and this was well, we've already not coordinated. Like, um, we've already con- like con- confirmed <laughs> that you two are just. I know. Spider Man pointing meme, um, but the special award for Detour is least reliable narrator. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I, I was going to do least believable death scene um, with her wrapping the phone yeah. cord around her neck and getting choked to death, but considering that don't think that's how what probably really happened, I just went least reliable narrator. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and right. then, Jana? do the right thing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, my special award for Do the Right Thing is the Chappie Memorial Hey, That's the Name of the Movie Award <laughs> for Ozzy Davis um, saying, telling telling Mookie to always do the right thing. <laughs> the Chappie Memorial Award. Yes. This is... I leaned over to Matt and said, hey, that's the name of the movie. So. <laughs> that, that's great. Did that's... I actually do that? Probably, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's fair. So that's the end of the Paper Plate Awards. Um we are now going to go to a new corner called the best or most cinematic moment. We're going to do one from each of these movies. Um, and we're going to introduce this by a really awesome uh, jingle that a friend of ours named Scott Dieter put together for us. Um, so I'll play that now. When you finish up a movie and you can't stop crying So you call your mama and she thinks you're dying Calls up an ambulance and when they come to get you and you tell them that you're okay, they say we still gotta fill ya. That's cinema, that's cinema, yeah. Boom. Um, we only have friends named Scott help yeah, us. That's true. I really this think podcast. this is a thing. <laughs> okay, so next time we need something else, we'll we'll reach out to a third Scott for yeah. assistance. Good so a- any Scots that are listening, to just, yeah. just email us. Let us know your trade. Let us know your skill. We'll find a place for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can make you a part of the podcast family. Just let us know what you have yeah. to offer. Exactly. Well, just we 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 get applications all the time. Everyone <laughs> that says, says Scott on the title, we're just like accept straight to the top. Yep. yep. Number one. Um, so we're going to start back off again with Nick, uh, Nick, 
the most cinematic moment from Broken Blossoms. I'm going with, uh, towards the end of the movie, the closet scene with Lillian Gish. It's um, yes. a perfect showcase of her acting skills. Um, and even though, like, you know, it's a silent film, you still really get to see, like, the terror that she's portraying in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, of course, sort of a predecessor to a famous similar scene in The Shining with Shelley Duvall and mm-hmm. Jack trying to uh, break sure. in with an axe so that is my favorite scene from broken blossoms i think it also has something to say about how strong of a director and was he also an editor no but director and editing presence that griffith had Mm -hmm. to tell a story so early on doing these sort of cross cuttings and uh, matching actors reactions to each other as they're doing a similar thing in a room is just pretty damn pioneering in 1919 was this movie came out yeah, something yeah. Like that. uh and th- that that was something that you know it really started coming around with birth of the nation but let's let's focus on a movie where they use yeah. uh, a couple racial slurs instead of just yeah I, I was like i totally forgot that we talked about a dw griffith movie <laughs> this season. what a year what a year um yeah could be birth of a nation again January 6th. Ugh. All right. So, Me? yeah, good call. Jana, um, you are going to either have to leave Le Marcier or the final scene on the cutting room floor. What I did was you pick? Go- I was going to do a bit where I tried to pick, like, some really boring part of <laughs> Casablanca and pretend that that was my pick for, like, 30 There's seconds. There's no boring but... part of Casablanca, that, that, though. Literally, that was my problem. Because I was like, literally any part I pick, you... Probably you go, yeah. get that I was joking. It, it, it's like the start of the movie. Okay, the part where Peter Laurie tries to hide the plans. Right. No. Okay, right. what about when Sam and uh, Ingrid Bergman like, and Humphrey Bogart No. What about I, the Paris scene? Nah. Right. I was going to be like, well, the scene in Rick's office where they know that scene's really good, too. Like, <laughs> anyway, it's it's La Marseillaise. Like, I... Okay, good. Yeah. it's I, For me, it wasn't even a question. I mean, as good as the, the final scene is on the, the tarmac at the airport... Um, it's just, I mean, I think we talked about it at the time. It's, it's arguably the, like the greatest moment in all movies, <laughs> let yeah. alone the greatest moment in this movie. So yes, when the patrons at Rick's, um, start singing the French national anthem to drown out the bad Nazis that are singing the German national anthem. Um, the yeah, bad Nazis, that's... do we need the qualifier? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're right. As opposed to... As opposed to the good ones, yes. Um, who drown out the um, the Nazis who are singing the German national anthem? Um, La Marseille. It's it's a it's a perfect movie moment. It really is. Great call, Jana. Okay, it was an easy one. Yeah. So Chinatown. Um, there were a couple moments to pick from. Uh, the nose cut scene was up there. Uh, <laughs> any scene John Houston was in was up mm-hmm. there. Especially when uh, he goes back to the house and uh, what's the line John Houston says? The future? The future, Mr. Geddes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's the end of the movie. Like, it's, again, kind of like Janet, like, there was a lot of good scenes that I could think of, but it was just like, yeah, it's the, the ending of Chinatown. Forget right, it, Jack, it's, it's Chinatown. Right, I was going to say, if it, you, gotta, you gotta forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. Like... What is there to say? And John Houston grabbing uh, Catherine out of oh, the car. Yeah. Is, I, He's trying to I, shush her. Chinatown has really sat well with me. Like, I, I liked it when I watched it 
Um, but I think it has just been so hyped up for so long that I was like, that's pretty good. But the more I've thought about it, I'm like, I, I think I really liked it. I mean, not, again, controversial take, Chinatown, good movie. <laughs> um, but I really, it's really, I, I want to go back and watch it again. I, I, I really liked it. Yeah. Good story. I know. Okay. So, Nick, I'm assuming you're picking... I, I don't know. I can't even do the bit where Jana wanted to do the Casablanca thing. Uh, like, what's the boring scene in Citizen Oh, in Citizen Kane? Kane? Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, there isn't one. Um, but I'm going to go with the rally when he's running for governor. Because oh. I... Th- okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's the yeah. performance of Wells in that scene is sort of um, Charles Foster Kane and Wells, really, um, at his most bombastic. And then it's also a great showcase of sort of the special effects, not only like showing him, him, him yeah. you know, in front of the crowd where like most of the crowd is fake, uh, but also the cut right after that where he's still giving the speech and you see Boss Jim Geddes looking at him from down from up above and he's down below uh-huh. on the side of the screen. Um, so I think it's a good, good example of both how um, big Wells is in this movie and how gorgeous the the set design and the matte paintings and all that stuff were in this film mm-hmm. um yeah so now it's to me with city lights um i mean i don't want to just redo myself with chinatown but it's the end team like <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure you, you can see me now he just nods and it's like oh my god it's so good yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's pretty easy. Just I don't I don't really even have to think about it. Yeah. That's there. So uh, going back to Nick for Days of Heaven. Days of Heaven's another one yeah. that I feel like it's hard to pay. Like I don't even. There's not even moments in Days of Heaven though. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about Days of Heaven. <laughs> yeah. The Are there part, scenes the in part this movie? With, the part when they're out in the field. Um, mm-hmm. I liked that part. Uh, with part when they're in the house, I like that part. Sorry. So I guess there is like really only sort of one moment moment in this movie, uh, and I'm going to go with that. And it's the shot of the locusts. Yeah. Where yeah. they, where all the the people are standing in the field and all the locusts are like flying up from the ground. Um, yep. It just looks incredible. It looks so cool. Yeah. Which did we? We talked about how they filmed that yeah, shot, yeah, right? They, at the they time, filmed in yeah, reverse, yeah. dropping peanuts from a helicopter or something. And I, I love how. Yeah. So I, I've watched. Um, uh, what was it called? I think it's called At Land. It was a My Darren short, and she uses, oh. Oh, oh. she uses some reverse projected or, or or whatever, like things that are clearly shot one way, and then they're mm-hmm. playing it backwards. Um, and it just looks so dreamy and that's sort of this scene has sort of that same feel only it's kind of subtle because it's it was done to look um like you're not supposed to know that it was shot in reverse it's not supposed to be obvious to you so it just something about it just feels a little bit off Mm -hmm. i like that very, very brief diversion on the recent um, episode of Blank Check podcast where they were talking about Tenet. <laughs> they were talking about how, like, basically filming things in reverse mm-hmm. is one of the oldest tricks in the book. But, like, how it just, it never go, like it never gets old. Yeah. Like, even, no. even in Tenet, like, 
it's crazy watching Tenet and things are going backwards and you're like, this is crazy. And it's like, it's literally one of the oldest cinematic <laughs> tricks. Yeah. I mean, it reminded me how we talked about that when we did La Belle La Bette. I was just about to um, say, Nick's right? yeah, that's like, that's one of the best that parts of that is... movie is shot in reverse. And so yeah, I'm just a like, sucker for that. Just, yeah, it's it's a it's a, such a useful trick that's like not special effect. It's not special effects. It's just you know, good just smart again. filmmaking. Yep, exactly. All right, so now it's back to me for Decalogue. I know the scene I should pick, so I'm going to shout it out, which is okay. the church scene in one, where yeah. the dad. But I, I like I know that's the scene I should pick, but screw the haters. Decalogue seven's the best. I'm going with the train scene. Like at the very end. Okay. Yep. When she gets on the train. Yeah. So far, every time it's been the, the final yeah. scene. But the thing is, like, a good final scene is pretty hard to, to beat yeah. in a movie. So and that's I fair. think if I had most of the other movies, I would not be choosing the final scene. I'd have chosen Le Mercier. Um, mm-hmm. I would have chosen either the speech scene or a scene towards the end of Citizen Kane where he picks up the snow globe after wrecking the room. Mm-hmm. And sure. there's all the mirrors. Um, I think... I don't know what you're going to do about do the right thing, Jana, but mm-hmm. I don't think my scene would be the the final scene mm-hmm. um, or detour. So, but yeah, I just got all the the best final scenes of the movies. It's true. It's true. Um, Declan Seven though isn't the final. That's true. That's a good point. It's technically um, three quarters of the way through. If you yeah. want to <laughs> retreat it as one thing, uh, maybe to just add a little diversity to my picks, I'm gonna I'm gonna announce that. <laughs> Uh, so now it goes back to Jana for Detour. Yeah, so Detour was hard um, for me to sort of pick. Um, that like that the movie doesn't have a ton of, I think, like really cinematic scenes. Uh, we talked about it at the time. Um, my, my favorite scene is just um, like Vera when she's like drunk in the hotel room and just like <laughs> railing at Al. I just I, I love her in that movie. It's yeah. my favorite scene. Um, the most cinematic scene, though, in terms of, like, actually imagery and what sticks with you is actually probably either at the beginning when um, it goes into, like, the flashback and it does that effect where it just blacks out everything behind him. Um, like, that's a very striking image. Um, or I would actually say maybe the end. Maybe that the final mm. shot where you see him walking down the road and sort of imagining getting picked up by the police. Mm. Um, that actually that, that actually might be my final pick. Um is I'll go with that, but That's yeah, fair. I had a hard, I had a harder time with Detour. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, it was fun to watch, but there wasn't really a moment that stuck with me um, compared fair. to my other uh, movies yeah. that I had to pick from. I mean, any movie moment with Anne Savage would have worked, right? I exactly. Think. Like even like even just the first scene where she picks him up, where he picks her up, and she just I starts al- like yelling at him. I almost did that too. Was the way, basically when she confronts him for the first time. That, and that she was turns probably on my him. favorite scene. Yeah, that that was also on my list of consideration. Is when she when she confronts him in the car and and tells him she knows his deal. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, do the right thing, me? Yep, Jenna, back to you. All right, so do the right thing is kind of like Casablanca, where you could just pick literally almost any moment. Yep. Um, but I had to go with Mookie throwing the trash can um, yep. through the window. I feel like that's, well, kind of like Casablanca, where you could pick any moment. That's also, to me, like the undeniable choice, like first yep. among equals kind of thing. Um, yeah, iconic for a reason. Yep. All right, all right. Two more corners. Well, Nick, do you have a list corner? I do. Yes! 
<laughs> this feels. I, I was so worried. I have. So happy. I have written in list corner possibly dot 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 on my notes, and I was just like, oh please, I hope he came up with something. I got him. Sorry. Okay. This this is a time where Dylan, if you were comfortable making a darkly uh, racist joke, you could do that. No 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 no. no. <laughs> That's what you're saying, Dylan is. <laughs> Why are you so good to me, Jinky? <laughs> that's what i heard yeah oh god i'm Sorry. not gonna confirm or deny that Sorry. Right. okay i have five so uh the first oh Jesus. the first is the wow. uh, best prolonged boxing sequence in a silent film the runner-up mm-hmm. is broken blossoms but the winner is good. city lights good fair i think that's, that's fair a very good pick uh best movie climax where a character purposely sets a giant fire and this one I couldn't choose. I'm going with a tie. Days of Heaven and Do the Right Thing. Oh, that's right. Yep. Good mm-hmm. call. Yeah. Two iconic yeah. fires, yeah. Most pivotal death scene taking place in a car. Uh, I'm going to go with detour number three. I'm going to go with uh, Decalogue Chapter 5 slash a short film about killing is number two. But the winner, of course, is the very end of Chinatown. Yep. Man. A lot of dead people in cars this yeah. season. I didn't yeah. even pick up on that. Uh, best movie um, with an Oscar-winning script, starting with the letter C, that was named after a geographic location that is used for <laughs> as a metaphor for the social climate of the film. Uh, the runner-up is fucking. <laughs> the runner-up is Chinatown, <laughs> but the winner is Casablanca. Yeah. Okay. All right. And lastly, best movie about a, a winter sports enthusiast who is unfaithful to their spouse, and at one point they are spied on while being unfaithful. Uh, <laughs> the runner-up is Decalogue Chapter 9, but yep. the winner is Citizen Kane. Yep. Very good. Sure, sure. Winter sports because she was into skiing and he liked the sled. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, that's true. Yeah. All right. Wow. You never failed, Nick. All right. Last quarter, probably the most pivotal, the fashion quarter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is what everyone's been waiting for, honestly. Uh, So, Nick, how about you start us off with the fashion of Broken Blossoms? Yeah, I went with uh, Cheng Huan, who's the main character, played by a white fellow, Richard Barthelmas. Just the black hat that he wears. Because yeah, it's a good hat. That's yeah. a cool hat, I guess. I had no other real options. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough yeah, one. Yeah, was a tough one. <laughs> the like rat, the like sort of like raggedy dress. Yeah, that yeah. our poor main character wears. Yeah, I didn't want to like, pick her, not, not her the tatters. Best. The boxing she, shorts that the, the yeah, not. She has like Padme Amidala like hair rings as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, it's <clears throat> true. But yeah, the hat, the hat's fairly iconic as just like oh, this is a Chinese hat, mm-hmm. right? Yep. This is how much thought was put into this yeah, movie. Yeah, that's about as much thought as, as far as racial yeah. things went. Yep. All right, Jana, you have to pick uh, a piece of fashion from Casablanca. There were there were a lot of good options. Mm. My 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 runner up was um, Rick's look. Well, Rick and um, Ingrid Bergman's look at the um, <laughs> at the tarmac at the end, like the sort of trench coat hat. Uh, ensemble but uh-huh. my my actual pick is rick's white jacket that he wears yeah. uh i went at the cafe to me that's just when i picture the movie like that's what i picture um so that white jacket that is pretty choice. damn good yeah it is good it's very sharp all right so then it goes over to me for chinatown um man i had a lot of 
yeah. lot of options for this. There's so many good hats in this movie, and I think I'm partial to picking hats. I really like picking hats. And that includes all of Faye Dunaway's hats, uh, Jack Nicholson, and John Huston's uh, fedoras. But it's the nose piece that uh, Jack Nicholson's yeah. wearing most of the, the movie. The nose cast. Yeah, it's, it's the nose cast. Like, it's iconic, it's yeah. just one of the most iconic pieces of yeah. wear, yeah. even though it's not that fashionable. Well, <laughs> Jack it's Nicholson kind of makes it look good, though. Oh, yeah. Um, and I like how it uh, changes over time of the movie. Like, at first, it's like just like a big bunch of cloth. Mm-hmm. And then it goes down to some like uh, tapes. And, and then it goes just, down to yeah. just some stitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think it does a lot good. of work in the movie. Good pick. Uh, so then it goes over to uh, Nick for Citizen Kane. So this one's a cheat. I'm going with the uh, white dress and white parasol that the woman apparently has that Mr. Bernstein thinks about every month. <laughs> even <laughs> oh though we never see it. Oh my god, great. Although we do see it in Mank, which... Uh... Yes, yes when, we when you do. Said, when you said that, I was starting to think, I'm like, isn't that actually in? But yeah, good call. Yeah, we do see yeah. it in Mank, which I don't know about that decision terrible um but in citizen kane that is that is my pick that's a good one i was i was thinking of so many like the dress that his ex-wife wears to the uh to the speech um is talking about white suits uh canes at the end there's a lot of good picks but man out of left field that was that was a very good one good choice uh city lights um there's so much I could pick that is just iconic about the tramp slick. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we, I mean, yeah. We have allowed hair in the past, so I could pick the mustache. I could pick the bowler hat, especially because the bowler hat got snubbed in season one's fashion corner, and I'm <laughs> never going to live that down. I'm going to bring it back. <laughs> Nick doesn't care. Just hurts me every time. Uh, his cane, his baggy pants, his broken uh, jacket, uh, but... To specifically go with a city lights pick, I'm gonna say the flower that the flower girl puts in his yeah. uh, jacket. Nice, Aww. that's yeah. a good choice. Got to pick something that's specifically the city lights tramp, and I think I think that does the best job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it's back to Nick for Days of Heaven. Have fun. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with the dress that Abby wears at the end of the movie. Yep. Yeah, good call. Because it's a good dress, and also it. I think it's um, relevant sort of to the plotting of the movie where you see, I mean, mm-hmm. you sort of know because she's dropping Linda off at the school, but the dress who sort of points out that she's now inherited all of mm-hmm. that money. Yeah. So It says yeah. a lot without yeah, having yeah. to narrate it all, even in a narration-heavy movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and the narration in that movie like doesn't ever propel the story along. It, no. it all. I, don't, I don't think one says just like, by, by oh, look at this tree. Yeah. I don't know. Something was happening. I don't know what they were talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so then it is back to me, correct, with Decalogue. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a tough one. There's some looks in the Decalogue. I, I was scrolling through a lot of Decalogue pictures. Um, What's the main guy's name uh, that keeps popping up all the time? Oh, uh, Arthur. Oh, ba- I, I heard... Arthur. Something. I almost picked his jacket from Decalogue 1 where it opens. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a good look. Um, 
I really like the look from Decalogue 10 of the punk guy and his punk band at the oh, start. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with Decalogue 4, Anka's salmon pink glasses that she wears. Mm. They're so ridiculously look like... Why are they in this movie? They look completely out of place. <laughs> yeah, um, that's yeah, fair. That'll be my final pick. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I do, okay. yeah. Okay, okay. Good. I was just looking to see if there was anything else that like jumped out at me as, as memorable. It's just a really like a lot of, yeah, drab sort of 80s Soviet style I did style almost go with the, ro- with the rowboat that Arthur is wearing. <laughs> He's carrying <laughs> Basically the over his head. <laughs> Um, sure. But I, I don't think I could pull that much no. off as fashion. Uh, so then Jana, the final two picks. All right. So Detour, um, I did not go with Al's like shabby suit that he wears the whole time. Yeah. Um, I did go with the bathrobe that Vera wears in the <laughs> hotel room. Good That's call. like her sort of lounging look. Um, I like her dress that she wears earlier in the movie, too. But really, it's that that bathrobe is the, the image that sticks with me from her mm-hmm. character. And then do the right thing. I have to go with the Jackie Robinson jersey. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. just, I again, um, that movie has amazing outfits, amazing colors. But, again, iconic. Like, you picture the movie. I mean, that's true. I could do love, love, hate. Um, rings mm-hmm. is a There's so many good ones a good call. Because you could also go I, I like bugging outs glasses. The, oh, my God. Oh, my bugging, God. Bugging, bugging outs glasses. Bugging outs Nikes. Oh, yeah. Like, you know. No, it was Wait, is Nike or, or Jordan? Or Jordans. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a sneaker. I'm not a sneaker person, shockingly. <laughs> I know you're shocked to find that out. Um, I like Jordans, though. Yeah. Uh, both uh, Radio Rahim and uh, Buggin' Out wear these, like, uh, African chains mm-hmm. around their... They have, they have really good necklaces. Oh, the, yeah. Well, I like Radio Rahim's shirt. His just, like, yeah. bed-sty, like, brightly colored shirt. Yeah. It's a great one, too. Um, yeah. What about John Turturro's wife beater? I mean, I, I actually really like John Turturro's outfit that he's rocking when he shows up at the pizza joint in the morning when it's like the all black, sort of like black shirt tucked into black slacks uh-huh. uh, before he takes that off just to wear the wife beater all movie. Yeah. Um, I could have also gone with uh, Sal's uh, Hawaiian style shirt that he's wearing that has little That's cactuses true. on it. Oh, so um, good. Yeah. Or so. even Mookie's Sal's pizzeria shirt that he wears in I, the second half after a shower. Jade's hat. If we want to talk about good hats, Jade's hat. Jade's hat is so good. Um, yeah, just just can't go wrong with the outfits bless, in that movie. Bless the but, world for Ruth Carter. Oh my god, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the, the Jackie Robinson jersey is the ultimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, look for me in that one. It's fair. All right, now on to the actual awards. We're gonna start off at screenplay. Um, oh. oh yes, okay. So, does anyone have any nominations to throw out for screenplay? I've got three. Um, okay. Citizen Kane. Casablanca. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. And Chinatown. Okay. Two of those <laughs> showed up in my four. I also had City Lights and Do the Right Thing. I had Citizen Kane, Casablanca, and Do the Right Thing. Okay. So did Casablanca... Well, sadly, I don't think... Is that the one that showed up on all three of our... We all had Citizen Kane and Casablanca. And Casablanca. You are... Just absolutely wrecking my do the right thing argument that you can't make a movie that's so much vignettes work without the most incredible screenplay ever written. Yeah, though, I mean, do the right thing would be my fourth, I think. 
Thanks. <laughs> it's my it's my winner. It's a, it is my winner too. It's my um, winner too. <laughs> although I also when I picked my winners, I I try I, I try to pick a different movie in every category, so it's not just like That's Citizen fair. Kane across yeah, the board. Yeah, mine's but gonna be real for Citizen me, Kane heavy. <laughs> for, for me, do the. I guess what I would just say is that like screenplay is specifically what I wanted to highlight uh, for do the right yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm fine with I'm fine um, with. But I but I'm not I'm not like I can't I don't have any criticisms of the Citizen Kane screenplay or the Casablanca no, but screenplay. This I is think a tough out list. of all the movies, the thing that had to work the most for the screenplay side would have been do the right thing. Yeah, I'm good with. I, don't know. I, I have no I have no qualms about do the right thing winning screenplay okay. Dylan who was it that made the comment to you that uh, we need to be nicer to Nick or stop ganging up on it was your mom something? oh yeah my mom <laughs> sorry sorry Dylan's mom <laughs> <laughs> you know we, yeah. we're nice to Nick we promise yeah sorry Nick um, I understand <laughs> I know how it, I know how it goes with you two bullying me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're always pushing you around <laughs> uh, best supporting actor I just had so many options yeah this uh, is a lot. i have one two three four five six seven ideas run, run them down okay I, like eight. <laughs> I, I only listed out two i only listed out two you options. have it's eight not, I, think it's, not a million. I gotta count one two three four wait i'm counting wrong don't worry about it i have a, i have a large number <laughs> Yeah, I, okay. and I, well, yeah, you guys go. I only listed two just because, like, <laughs> I just picked a top two. There's, there's like, probably ten great performances, but I just picked a top two, so. Okay, so I ranked them five through one, and one has a three-way tie. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> so <laughs> when we, five. Um, when we eventually, by the way, do our, like, best movies of 2020, which is on our agenda to do sometimes before the Oscars eventually take place, like... <laughs> It'd we can't cool. have any of these. We can't have any of these shenanigans. Oh, you kidding me? Um, I picked. I picked five with a three-way tie for number one. <laughs> I can whittle mine down a little bit. No, I, I'm just teasing. All right. All right. Five was Sam Shepard. Four was John Huston. Three was Claude Rains. Two was Joseph Cotton. And one is a do the right thing three-way tie between Aussie Davis, John Turturro, and if you guys are gonna force me to do supporting actor for Danny Aiello. Daniel Uh All of those are on my list except for John Turturro. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is a, a fair. That's fine. Game. And then who? It, did, he who was did kind you... of a last minute addition into the into the do the right thing first mm-hmm. place spot for yeah. me. So I have the I didn't really order them, but um, I have an idea as who I want as number one. Um, well, actually, no, I don't. I'm because I'm going to waffle between two. But I had I had all of those except um, I also added. Miroslav Baca, who's the killer in Decalogue 5. Oh, that's a good oh, point. Oh, he's good. Henrik yeah. Baranowski, who is the dad in Decalogue 1. Mm-hmm. That's those are good yeah, calls. It, I totally I should have I should have thought about Decalogue more for the these acting ones. I sort of like let that fly by me. Those are great. Yeah, picks. but the ones that I, I think I would have at the top are um Sam Shepard in Days of Heaven and uh John Houston in Chinatown. Mm. Sam Shepard's my pick. Okay. That, that was my my number one is Sam Shepard, and then my other pick was uh, Ozzy Davis from Do the Right okay. Thing. So I mean, again, all great. And Danny Aiello, he got an Oscar nomination. He doesn't need me to shout him out. Um, <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't need my award. <laughs> got an Oscar nomination. Um, no qualms with that performance. But yeah, I again in my my goal of spreading the love, that was sort of what I wanted to single out from Days of Heaven. Was I think that Sam Shepard performance is so yeah, good. Yeah, it's really um, good so so good so that's that was my pick 
I got the date to do the right thing screenplay, so I'll I'll uh, I'll fold on having Ossie Davis, Danny Aiello, John Turturro, three way tie. Um, <laughs> it's fair. So, whatever you guys want, Sam Shepard or John Houston is up to is up to you. I'm good with. I'll either. go with Sam Shepard. Okay. Roll. Sam Shepard, Days of Heaven. Uh, best supporting actress. I only wrote down three. Um, but it really wasn't much of a competition. Uh, Dorothy Commongore from Citizen Kane. Ruby D from Do the Right Thing. And the winner's Linda, Linda Mans. Like, is did you guys have anyone else down except Linda Mans as a top I, pick? I had a bunch of Would you down. say? Would you is is Anne Savage lead? I had her in lead. I have her as a lead. Isn't oh, all right. I had her as a as a supporting, and she's. I had her as supporting too. You but guys it's, but are she's way kind of too harsh lead. about what counts as a lead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to draw a line somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I so I I had her, but it, I can go supporting or lead for Anne Savage, um, and then Ruby D and Linda Mans. Yeah, and then Nick. so I had a. a kind of a short list of people but my number one pick would be linda mans but i also have dorothy commongore on there uh, madeline lebeau mm-hmm. is yvonne in casablanca i almost mm, put that good <laughs> so pick. thank you for shedding it out um i do also have ruby d of course um i have dylan you'll like this one uh maya barlkowska who is um the young woman in uh decalogue seven mm-hmm. i have Anne savage i thought if anyone you would have done would be would have been the woman from decalogue six Decalogue seven is the the father daughter. No, seven. Although no. she's she's really good too. No, uh, seven is um, the the gr- adultery. That's not adultery. No, it's the girl who has the daughter who thinks it's her sister, or the oh 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 oh. It's it's the right. It's the the no the decalogue train six. One. It's the train. That, one. That's decalogue seven. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Right, I'm right, talking that's about. What I was asking about seven. Oh, I thought you were asking about six. Yeah, I was asking about seven. Okay. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, so yeah, she, oh, that, that's a good pick. Yeah, she's right. Yeah, it is a good pick. Um, so I, too, have Anne Savage in Detour because she rules. And then I also wanted to shout out Lillian Gish one more time because. Yeah. That's a lead performance. Fucking hell. Mm, is it? <laughs> I had all these people in lead. <laughs> I think I think that one's close. That one's certainly closer than um, than Anne Savage, I think. But I. You kill either me. way, I'm going with uh, Linda Manns. Yeah, it's Linda Mans. Yeah, that, that works for me. All right. <clears throat> so now, best director. I have five written down. Um, I had Chaplin, uh, Kuslowski. Uh, <laughs> having five written down, from that's a group more of than nine, half yeah. of the directors. Look, 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 <laughs> look, 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 look. <laughs> I have eight. I have eight written down. <laughs> Sorry, we're all we're all just critiquing each other's styles here. This is great. Okay, great podcasting. Uh, Terry Malick, sure. Um, Orson Welles and Spike Lee. Does anyone else have any others? No, I mean that's most no. of them. So I, yeah. I wrote down. I did write down four. In fairness, um, so I have uh, Wells, Lee, Kislowski, and Malick. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no one wants to go to bat for um, Roman Polanski or D.W. Griffith. No, I'm uh, good. I'm not on this good. podcast. Yeah, no okay. one wants to stand up for those dudes. Um, so Nick and I have the same top four. Jana, what? I win Orson Welles. It was my. I mean, he's my number. My he's pick. my number one. So, yeah. Okay. And, and again, for me, that's I am trying to 
the, what Just I wanted to recognize, that. yeah, Citizen Kane for was directing. Um, That's fair. Yeah. That's a good, good call. Yeah. All yeah. right. So, best actor. I wrote down five people again. Um, number five, I had Orson Welles from Citizen Kane in fifth place. <laughs> Next face. Number five. <laughs> it's okay, higher than number no, five in all four- time of any performance. <laughs> <laughs> let, let alone. Okay. In fourth place, I had Orson Welles from Citizen Kane. <laughs> In third place, I had Orson. Oh, Wilson. it's a bit. Okay. Oh, right. It's oh, a good, bit. Good, 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 good. I, <laughs> <laughs> I had one successful bit this whole whole pod, and I'm glad it came off. I, I was very glad Nick had a good reaction to fifth place Orson Welles, Citizen Kane. <laughs> uh, and it's it's not like there are, aren't other great lead performances. Yeah, no. Like yeah. uh, we got. Humphrey Bogart and Casablanca. We have Richard Gere in Days of Heaven. We've mm-hmm. got Spike Lee in Do the Right Thing. You got Charlie Chaplin in City Lights. We got Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. Yeah. We got Richard Bartholomew. I mean, come <laughs> the heck on, people. Uh, but uh, it's Orson Welles. Like this, this, this yeah. is just a, there's no competition at yeah. all. Yeah, my my short list. Um, you mentioned them all. I have um, Chaplin in in a I have Chaplin in Chinatown written in my notes on accident, which. Uh, <laughs> would watch that would be wild uh that would be very wild um so my runners up are in no order chaplin uh richard barthelmas and jack nicholson but it's i mean it's without a doubt wells and citizen came for me yeah yeah i mean that that's fair i i'll stand no i don't need to stand up for humphrey bogart and <laughs> he doesn't need to me to defend him um but as always shout out to humphrey, humphrey bogart, humphrey bogart just rolled his eyes in his grave <laughs> he did um but no yeah wells i am fine with that as well i can't have a can't oh, have a complaint there right? okay best actress i wrote down six but two of them have already been moved into supporting actress and i hate you guys for it <laughs> um <laughs> So now fourth place is Brooke Adams in Days of Heaven. Uh, third place is Faye Dunaway in uh, Chinatown. Second place is Ingrid Bergman in Casablanca. And first place is Virginia Cheryl for City Lights. All right. I... You guys are looking at me weird. Why are you I... looking no, at me that... weird? <laughs> uh, I, I basically, for me, it's, it's sort of a tie between Ingrid Bergman and Faye Dunaway in Chinatown okay. were my top two. No no, no love for well, Virginia Cheryl. She's good. Also good. Um, and shout out to Brooke Adams, who I think is good and underrated in that movie. My two that I have written down are Janice too, actually, which is Ingrid Bergman and Faye Dunaway. But I would lean towards Ingrid on this one. Um, Me too. I, out of those I think she's a little bit better anyway, but didn't we give Faye Dunaway best supporting last season for Bonnie and Clyde? Oh, probably. No, I, no? I think you guys. I think I wanted Faye for supporting, and you guys ousted me on that. It's one. very possible. That that was what three, four years ago. We did that. I don't remember, yeah. <laughs> remember, I don't remember what remember. we did. Well, we need to have these written down in some documents so we can refer to them. Maybe that'll probably. be one of my other projects when I have to go re-listen to all the fucking episodes to find out what we rated them. Oh. Recently. You can jump yeah. to the end. Well, the thing is, that's it's always it's one, yeah it's again podcast business. It's always in the last five minutes or so. It's not like you yeah. have to sit through a no, three hour no. long podcast about the Decalogue to see what we rated it. Um, well, so oh, I think uh, imagine doing that. Is Faye, is Faye uh, 
getting a runner up again. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Um, I think because we're talking about Faye and Bonnie and Clyde, right? Last last uh, last season, yeah. last time. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, no supporting actress last time. We... You guys, I I was the only one I think to have Faye Dunaway on right. the, my oh, short maybe, list, yeah, right? Because right, I I shouted out the 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 big sleep women uh, uh, yeah, last right. time. Martha oh, Vickers it, and Dorothy I think, Malone. I think, I think we it went, went Dorothy to Mar- Malone, right? Yeah. I thought we went Martha Vickers. Oh, anyway, but either, it was one, one of those two. Um, right. Yeah. Well, so sorry, Faye. Faye will get it. At She'll some be okay. Point. She, she's yeah. in enough, and she's good enough. In all, she's got a real Oscar. Yeah. Yeah, she, she doesn't fucking need us. She does, she also doesn't need us. She she's out there being a chaos agent and <laughs> in the Oscars. <laughs> Enough. Yeah. All right. Oh, stop it. Um, okay. So our final award then, best picture. Uh, this time we're doing it a little differently. Uh, right. Nick and Jana sent me their lists. Um, and completely I completely forgot that I did this. <laughs> yes. And I tabulated the points and uh, we basically have a no decision, but I will count wow. it down. You're going to rank them? Starting right. at nine. Um, nine Broken Blossoms with four points. Eight Detour with five points. All right. Uh, seven Decalogue with 11 points. So. It's, all all right. the points between Broken Blossoms and Detour is enough to even match Decalogue's single amount of yeah, points. It's wild that Decalogue is seven, and I I had it seventh on my list. And yeah. I, right, and I, I was gonna say, I like, love what the movie. fuck am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I was gonna say, I was like, I feel bad. I think I might have like tanked that ranking, but yeah, it's just no. It's just, it's I, where I think it, it was is. six. It was six on mine, seventh on Nick. Yeah, I have the probably list mine here. too. Uh, Jana, you had it. Um. Yeah. Did I? Nick had it lowest. You had it sixth place, Jenna. Oh. I had it sixth place as oh, well. Oh, and I had it seventh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, because I was I was rude to a different movie. Oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> I look back at my list. <laughs> um, So, sixth place is Chinatown with 13 points. Fifth place, you guys are so mean City to Lights. City Lights. Yeah, I'm going to say City Lights is the one I was rude oh, to. Oh, no. I hate I hate you guys Sorry. so much. I, again, gr- good list of movies. I mean, I I even I get it, but I know. Sorry, <sighs> sorry. Yeah. sorry. You hurt hurt my feelings. I know. Just a tiny bit. Um, fourth place is Days of Heaven with nineteen points. Okay, and there's this top one... three is just like yeah, ridiculous, but okay. Okay, so we have. The third place is 22 points, and then a two-way tie for, with 23 points. Oh, no. And I think it's close enough that we can debate those three. Okay. So, third place with 22 points, because Nick decided to fucking bulldoze this one, is do the right thing. I hate you for putting How low did you have do the right thing? Fourth place. Oh, okay. I was like, I had it in third. Yeah, yeah I had it fourth. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, like, it was, like, top three, top three. Okay. Top four. Yeah, but... Do do the right thing would be number one on almost any list that didn't also have Casablanca and Citizen Kane. Like, I just... Yeah, I had it behind Casablanca, (laughs) Citizen Kane, and, like, surprising even myself, I had Days of Heaven ranked number two. I just love the fuck out of this movie, the second... Or, like, the... Days of Heaven? Like, on uh, rewatching That's not surprising to to me that you did that. Yeah, it's, like, the second time I've watched it in the last, maybe, year or so, and every time I watch it, it just gets better and better. I mean, if I watch it one more time, it might be better than Citizen Kane. Who knows? 
Mm, wow. Thing, I, I, I don't know if I <laughs> You're like, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I got Nick's list first, and Janet did a year-end wrap-up list, and she had Do the Right Thing above Citizen Kane on that. I did. And so I was like, okay... I still have a chance for Do the Right Thing, um, oh which no, is my number I one for getting changed. it. And then you changed, changed it. I know. And so otherwise it would have been Citizen Kane, 22 points, and then Days Do uh, the Right Thing at 23 sorry. points. I failed you. Yeah, I, I I change my opinions about movies all the time. Um, and yeah. my, my rankings are are very, uh, depending on the mood I'm in that day. So just if, if we would have asked me for the ratings a day earlier, it all could have gone differently. So that's why I need to ask you for the ratings again. Would you still have Citizen Kane above Do the Right Thing? I do. I do. I, I think you. I've, I've settled but there. Fine. I know. I'm sorry. All right. Then I guess it's a two-way tie between Citizen Kane and Cospelog at 23 points. You know what? That seems yeah. totally appropriate. Yeah. I don't think so, but that's <laughs> fine. Yeah. I mean, Cas- Do the Right Thing is in like my top seven of all time. Casablanca like, is my number one favorite movie of all yeah, time. Citizen, I know. Citizen Kane is a Citizen Kane is next. Yeah, like. I think yeah. so. I think we each are uh, sort of delegating a specific movie to us. Pretty much. And I was, and I was the movie that I was at, that was outstanding. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we had luck. Again, gotta... it's Casablanca. Right. And Citizen Kane. Yeah. Like, I don't think. They're pretty good movies. Yeah. Pretty yeah, good movies. Well regarded. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're all right. Uh, so, uh, the, do you guys want to go to the floor and give a give an opening speech for Citizen <laughs> Kane and Casablanca, respectively? I mean, I, I don't know how you. I don't know how you pick between them. Do we have to choose? This, we can't I, just split the baby. No, I was. I was saying that I think it's appropriate that these end in the tie. Um, yeah. Hmm. For, that is not how this works. For, <laughs> Haven't Oscars given ties before? I know Can has. They 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 have. Well, I, I, not, never for best. Picture, I don't think for best picture though. But for, I don't for think for they best can... actress. There was the yeah, year. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think it, it's possible in best. Well, picture. not anymore. Not with ranked choice yeah. voting. But um, I think Can will do. Um, mm-hmm. The Golden Palm will. If it's good, if it's good, the Palm Door. Yeah. Oh, I guess that is the Golden Palm. Um, you, you're just so much more fancy. Yeah, I did. Palm, uh, Palm Door. If it's um, <laughs> if it's good enough for are you the bilingual, Jill? Can yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Speak wonderful French. You you heard my pronunciation of La Marseillaise earlier, so you know I'm really uh, great with the French. Um, yeah. So in 1997 was their most recent tie. It was Taste of Cherry and the Eel. Taste of Cherry, one of Ebert's most hated movies. Yeah, that's yeah. That which track? which will probably do that at some yeah, point. Yeah, I've weird. never seen it. I just know that that's one of his like notorious. Ones. Yeah. Nick, have you seen Taste of? Yeah, Cherry? Ebert's wrong. Um, a few yeah. years before that, ninety oh. uh, three, the piano in Farewell, My Concubine, also had a tie. So there were two. Oh man, oh, that's an insane matchup there were, right I there. Holy that. two ties in the nineties. So I think a tie is not unreasonable. I don't think I'm better than. Uh, can whoever those I don't think I'm better yeah. than the Can Film Festival. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely no. not. Um, okay. I mean, Dylan. Also, if you really want to pick, since uh, Nick and I kind of each championed one of those, you can just yeah, you be can, a tiebreaker. Yeah, you can be and... a tiebreaker. Really? Because yeah. I know because I I have a definite edge between that's, these two. That's fine. I'm looking to see who is the jury president. Ooh. I was gonna say you're gonna have. I was gonna make that joke <laughs> too, but the, I, I could. The not first one president. would be uh, Louis Mall. So by by, oh. by, Ooh, by f- that's a really good jury press. By yeah, forcing a tie, great. you're saying you're better than Louis Mall. And the uh, the later one was Isabella Ad- Adjani, who is the uh, woman oh. from Possession, which is 
Oh, a wild movie that I watched last year, and it gave Nelly nightmares. I think three days in a row. Really? <laughs> My friend was able to give me a download of that movie off some super secret website because that movie is unavailable basically anywhere. I thought there were some somebody's coming out with uh, like a new copy really? of it. That'd be really. Yeah, nice. I don't know if it's out yet though. Oh God. Sorry, I clicked. I I've heard of Possession. Um, I clicked that. What you heard me saying, "Oh God," was me clicking to its Wikipedia page and seeing the poster artwork on the Possession Wikipedia page that uh, took me it's, by surprise. Is that the one with the snakes? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's the, oh, the drawing I don't think of it. I know this one. It's it's yeah. Go look at the Possession Wikipedia page. I just the, know the one with the butt yikes. crack. Yikes. Um, yeah. Nineteen eighty one film. Seems creepy. Oh. Oh, holy crap. It's coming yeah. out of her nipple. I was going to say, the snake is like, yeah. It's a it's a look. Yeah. All right. Okay. But no, we are not better than those people. But Dylan, you can say what your, your choice is. You uh, can make one of us cry. It's Casablanca. Casablanca is a better movie than Citizen Kane. <laughs> oh, no. Nick, quit the podcast again. <laughs> He's out of here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and just keep Slam ganging up on Nick. Function. Yeah. No, I think I was going to pick until uh, Nick challenged me by saying, am I better than Louis Maul? And I'm not better than Louis <laughs> All right, Maul. All right, so we'll, we'll, end, in a we'll tie. end in a tie. That sounds good. Man, yeah. to end in a tie and not have do the right thing be part of the tie. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally one, one point off. It was very close. <sighs> I at least got it to one it's, screenplay. It's, it's a perfect that's, movie. It's just that there are three perfect movies on this list. So there it's are. hard to... Four, sorry, Days yeah. of Heaven. Please. Okay. I, I, my hot take is still that I like Badlands more than Days of Heaven, but I'll have I, to. I, I used to watch them until rewatching yeah. Days of Heaven um, yeah. a year ago. It's really like kind of skyrocketed up my uh, m- both my Malik list and my all time list. Yeah. I really oh. love when you get to rewatch a movie and be like, "Huh?" It turns out this rocks. is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hold on. This is horrible podcasting, but you can edit this out. I'm trying to pull up Ebert's greatest movies, but I think there was movies absence in the in the list I pulled up because we need to transition to talking about what we're going to be watching next. Oh, season. I've got it. Pull- I've got it pulled up already. I, I, I have it pulled up. I have the list also in front of me. Um, well, this, this is sk- skipping way ahead, but can't wait to talk about It's a Wonderful Life in like July. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, we watched Do the Right Thing in, in the middle January, of January, in the middle of winter, and we're going to watch It's a Wonderful Life in like the hottest part of the year. Uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. I, I, I have it up now. Um, so maneuvering into the next bit of <clears throat> movie watching, we here have, we're first starting with Double Indemnity, mm-hmm. which has everyone seen? Yep. Nope. Okay. Uh, Dracula. Haven't seen it, but looking forward to it. Doctor Strangelove, which I think all of us yeah. have seen. Yeah. So, Doctor Strangelove, very quickly, Doctor Strangelove, I really didn't like when I saw mm. it as a teenager. I thought it was like, it scared me. Like, I was afraid of it's nuclear war. Um, and I found it like more upsetting. I, I was showed it in a history class. Um, and I I, uh, I found it more upsetting than funny. But I, I'm looking forward to rewatching that and assuming I'm going to like it way better than I did when I was like 14. As long as it's got James Earl Jones in it, I'm, I'm down. Which it does. It's we're recording on we're recording on his ninetieth birthday. Oh, oh happy birthday! I know. I have no memory of him being in that movie at all. I do not remember. He's he's in sort of a smaller. Yeah, role. it's a tiny role, but when he talks, you're like, that guy sounds like James Earl Jones. That's James Earl Jones. Fair enough. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
I wouldn't say it's tiny, but it's yeah. pretty small. Um, we're gonna lose James Earl Jones at some point, and I'm I'm not gonna be able to be I consoled know. after that. Ninety. Uh, it's also I think today's Betty White's ninety ninth yeah. birthday. Speaking of people who just are, cannot be around that much longer because Jesus Christ. But uh, good well, for her. we would have said that nine years ago when Betty White was uh, the same right, age so as James Earl so Jones there right you now. Go. Like there, there you go. Yeah. If James Earl Jones lives to be ninety nine, I will be a happy person. Yeah. Then we got Duck Soup, which Jana, nope. do you think you'll be watching any oh, um, the Marx Brothers? Uh, maybe. You know, I'm sh- I've am i seen, like, so many clips, and I-, I definitely saw, like, parts of Marx Brothers movies growing up. I just yeah. never, like, made a point to sit down and, and watch one start to finish. So I'm- I'll-, I'll see what happens when we get there. It'll be interesting if- to see if you dig the Marx Brothers I thing. I feel like I might. I don't know. I, I have... My range of tolerance for like goofiness, yeah, <laughs> I feel like can be. <laughs> I, it might be a little goofy end for me, but we'll see. I like them. They're not my favorite like comedic team or mm. performer per, slash performers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a quick trivia question: Can you guys name the fourth Marx brother? Groucho. He's actually the fourth. <laughs> That's. Oh, is he okay. the youngest? Name all four of them. Uh, z- z- is it Zeppo? Groucho, Harpo, Zeppo, Chico, right? and Zeppo? Yeah. Yeah, I always forget Zeppo. Um, there is well, there is a. That's that, that's what the Buffy episode's called, right? I'm not I'm not misremembering this, Nick. Uh, is that what I'm thinking of? What? Hold on. Don't. Why? There are so many moments when recording this podcast where I'm just talking to you guys on Messenger. The Zeppo. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that, that Zeppo. Buffy okay, thing. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so there's an episode <laughs> of Buffy um, that's told, like, it does, it does, the, it's the conceit of a TV show where they tell a story from, like, one of the minor, the supporting characters' points of view, and it's sort of like he's having a whole story while something else is going on, and it's called mm-hmm. The Zeppo because it's about how he always feels like he's left out or the one everybody forgets about, and that is yeah. how I know the, <laughs> who Zeppo Marx is. <laughs> Gotcha. That makes yep. a lot of sense. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Just had to had to get that out of my brain because I'm like, when as soon as you said Marx Brothers, I'm like, well, Zeppo, that's the famous one. I'm like, oh no, the joke is that, <laughs> that is... no one remembers Zeppo. Yeah, I'm, I'm fair calling. enough. Okay. Uh, then we got AT, which we've all seen. We've all seen. Then we got Exterminating Angel, which I haven't seen. I haven't either. I'm really excited. I really want to watch that. It's weird. Our second. Yeah, it looks. It well, looks weird. No shit. Our second Boonwell. <laughs> it's way weirder than. Um, like narratively, it's way weirder than uh, Belle du Jour is. Way Talking weirder about... than Belle du Jour is a wild statement. Well, I mean, I like in terms of like the well, you see... the way the story well, it's, it's told. Right. It's right. A lot I more... mean, it looks like it's it's supernatural or or something. Like there's there's high yeah. I don't know. Okay. Which you've seen Unchin and Dalo, right, Jana? No, that's the eyeball oh, movie. Yeah, that's the eyeball movie. That's the eyeball. Yeah. yeah. No. Can he get weirder than that, Nick? Um. No, it's not weird in that, but this is like gonna, a full... We're going to talk about that. That's on the list. Yeah. yeah. So it's talking short, about... right? Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about Wilder being here on this list four times the last time Wells we were talking. Wells on three. Wells on three, and then Boone Well with three. That's... So there's some insanely... Is Unchian Andalou on, in this book? Oh, yeah, it is. Yes, oh, it is. There it is. Uh, is there any other yeah. repeated uh, directors? Hitch- um... I, I think it's think only Hitchcock one. Hitch- I think it's only Psycho. It's just Notorious. There's no, oh, Notorious. Is it Notorious Hitchcock? Yeah. yeah. Oh yes. There's two Kurosawas also. Uh, Kiru and Seven Samurai. 
Uh, two Bergmans, right? Oh, we have two Antonionis because we're doing Love and Tura. Um, two Fellinis. He has love and ter- he has two. Two, two Bergman, Seventh Seal, and um, Persona. What's what's the other Antonioni besides Leventura? Blow up. Oh, yeah. Good movie. I, I've talked enough about Blow Up. <laughs> yeah. uh, hold uh, on, Ver- Vertigo. That's an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Is that on here? Right? So there's three. Oh, there's three. Wait, what's the th- N- Vertigo, Psycho, and Notorious. There's only like ten directors in this yeah. book. I know. We're really realizing that this is uh Yeah. Yeah. There's two Scorsese's Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. Yeah. There's two Spielberg's E. T. and Schindler's list. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Come on, man. Is there only one Kubrick though? No, there's two Kubricks. Is there a third Kubrick? What's the second Kubrick? 2001 and 2001 and Dr. Uh, Strange. Oh, oh, Strangelove. We were just we talking have, about that. We are like we are now we're just like reading lists. We have not finished talking about what's in the next Oh, piece. right, right. No, but wait, Woody Allen has Manhattan and is there Annie Hall? No, we would have I think Annie Hall's in the a different book though. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, Exterminating Angel, then we have Fargo, which is the best fucking movie ever. Good movie. Um Floating Weeds, uh which, uh, Jana, are you going to be watching an Ozu for the, before that one? Probably be... not. I know myself. Oh. Um, but, you know, we'll see. That hurts. But I'll, I'll live. And then finally, Gates of Heaven. Which, which is... I'm very excited to watch for two reasons. Um, one, I really, really love um, Errol Morris Dead documentaries. Animals. No, I like Errol Morris. <laughs> um, two, um... My entire life, well, not my entire life, definitely until a handful of years ago, I just would get Days of Heaven and Gates of Heaven confused. Um, like, just in my head, not, like, I don't even think I knew that Gates of Heaven was a documentary. Um, so, and now I'll have seen both, so that's very exciting, and I will not confuse them anymore. And you want two very different movies? Yes, right, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so out but, of this uh, chunk, I've seen three. I've seen uh, Strange Love, E.T., and Fargo. And I've seen eight, all but Exterminating Angel and Nick, I think is all nine, correct? I haven't seen all of Gates of Heaven. We watched part of it um, and paused it because Nellie was, like, going to go to sleep. And we never started it back up because she was, like, too upset by it. Yeah, I mean, that's freaking understandable. <laughs> um, So is this going to be, like, a My Left Foot thing where you just hit play from where you were before are you gonna watch the whole no thing? I'm, I'm not gonna watch the beginning again i'm only gonna watch half the movie and try to guess based on what <laughs> i watched remember what seven happened. years ago that's uh, fair enough wow you've known nelly that long yeah uh we're very old yeah Ellen. we're quite old i've known nelly for since 2007 so however long yeah. I, I can't do that 14 years can't, yeah. can't do that kind of math in my head but uh yeah, yeah, and I've known Matt since 2008. So, yeah, that's, uh, we're, wow. we're, we're old old folks, Dylan. Yep. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. So that's a pretty yeah. good batch. I'm a little bit more excited about the batch that's coming immediately after it, but... Um, yeah, I think What's so, What's right too. after? Well, the next, the, the following batch is going to have, like, The Godfather, Godfather. and Hard it's Days Night. It's got Hard Days and, Night. And Hard Days Night, which, like, oh, my God, to get ready for the Hard Days Night episode, guys. Gonna we're we're going to make sure you're oh going to be hosting that. Oh, my God, I'm going to take everyone on a real journey. Um, and I think Nick and I will just sit back and yeah, just let it be a monologue. Yeah, it'll be me monologuing <laughs> for two hours. Anyway, good, good talk. 
<laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk about a hard day's night. Um, Man, the fact that we're doing hoop dreams and Akiru back to back, and Nick and I are uh, going to have to split the that, the hosting of that one. Uh, that's God, tough. That list though also has Gone with the Wind, which like yeah, and JFK, which I, I no JFK is not on, I'm isn't a, it? Isn't JFK I opening think up? That's the, JFK the will next start one. the following one. Yeah. Oh, this is gonna gotcha. end with, This is when we're gonna watch It's a Wonderful Life in the summer. But um, yeah, that, that's some... actually gonna be perfect because then Hard Day's Night, Nick and I split the next two, and then Jana, you have It's a Wonderful Life, which back to back, Jana, pure Jana hosting movies. I was so. gonna say I'm I am no. The twist is that I'm not. It's a It's a Wonderful Life person. Um, I am not into that movie. Um, I would have sworn no, on not, the Bible. Not into it. Um. Have never seen it from start to finish. Just caught parts of it on television. So, um, and did you not like, like the stuff you saw on television? That was all right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I don't know. Your your <laughs> instincts are correct. That's uh, pretty good, uh, I guess. For Dylan, I am now, going to be yelling at you guys. Okay, <laughs> that's all right. Nick, Nick's going to yell at me when I talk about how ET is just okay. So you know, we'll, we'll all have our fights. You think that? Well, you're going to watch it, and you're going to be moved to tears. <laughs> I mean, it's. I'm not. It's upsetting. It is an upsetting movie, but um, anyway. Yeah, and we, and we do know what's going to come at the very end of the, at the end of the podcast when we get to Wizard of Oz. Yeah. You know, Wizard of Oz. It's possible that I'll I'll turn around. That's more like I haven't seen that in a, as recently as I've seen E.T. So I don't understand, and I guess we can get to this in a couple weeks. But why is Dracula <laughs> the the vampire movie from like that? A five-year span where there were a million Dracula movies or vampire movies. Well, he also has Nosferatu. Oh, does here, he? So yes, yes. It's fucking stupid. So he's double. I this really. List, am... This list is wild. I love how we we have committed to this this very impressive <laughs> undertaking that I'm enjoying doing very much. And yet every time we're like, Roger, what are you doing? What is this? <laughs> what, I have questions about your list. Yeah, you'd think he would have yeah. vampire over Dracula, though. I mean, maybe that's just my own personal. I really can't wait to read his Dracula view that I have a three out of five on Letterbox for and just be like, okay, sure. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel about it. I mean, I guess we'll see. I haven't seen it in a long time, uh, but I remember being yeah. pretty underwhelmed. So it's, not, it's not on a Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein level? Not for me. I mean, maybe it will be on a rewatch, but a lot of these movies I, I've seen, but not in a long time, and Dracula's one of them. Um, Exterminating Angel's one of them. Duck Soup, I probably haven't seen in over 20 years. So I'm looking forward to diving yeah. back into some of these. That's how old I am, man. Yeah. yeah we're old. You are not 20. <laughs> it's close. Uh, just to clarify. Um, yeah. No, all right. So but ne- next week will actually be Double Indemnity. Yeah. Yeah. Which Sounds I guess good. I'm spoiled for because I've seen Body Heat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this really sucks. It's a weird, weird backwards way to do that. But hey, God look, we, we committed what, to this alphabetical undertaking that... and here we are. Yeah. What was oh. another thing that happened with where we it was like, why are we watching this one first? And there there's, was another thing something. we talked about. Oh, oh no, we, we talked about it with Do the Right Thing. Um, oh, oh yeah, Night of the Hunter. Hate, and I haven't seen Night of the Hunter, so. That's not as bad as just completely spoiling Double Indemnity. But for Double Indemnity, like, you sort of know where she's at the entire time. It's not like a reveal. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty uh, clear that she's a femme fatale. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So double indemnity next week. Um, yeah, it's not available at any of the usual places other than. T- I mean, it's available to rent, but it's not uh, freely streaming anywhere. 
Yeah, which, good enough. It'll work. Um, so yeah, that's all for today's episode, at least. Um, crap, I have a whole document of stuff written down. I forgot to write down the closing, as always. Um, oh, um, sorry, very quickly. Um, <laughs> do, can we just, uh, hold on, I have something in my notes here. Sorry. No worries. Um, let me pull my notes back up. Um, all right, we already previewed season three. Oh, I was just going to tell, um, I know, I don't know if we want to do a whole what we've been watching lately. Um, oh, but that's right. I just, uh, mine's very short because um, I finally saw Promising Young Woman last night. Um, and that movie is extremely divisive. And I am on the pro side of that movie. I loved it. Um, what pops it into my head is that there's a clip uh, from Night of the Hunter <laughs> in oh, Promising really? Young Woman. Like, yeah. Hmm, uh, just, just very brief. Just like a quick little sort of like snippet. I'm like, is that Robert Mitchum? And then I Googled it because I haven't <laughs> seen Night of the Hunter. And it apparently it's a clip from Night of the Hunter. So there you mm-hmm. go. Anyway, watch Promising Young Woman. Um, but prepare yourself. It is a tough watch. But it's really good. Cool. Kind of seems that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I loved it. Uh, yeah, I'll do mine real quick. Um I watched The One-Armed Swordsman, The Inland Sea, The Nest, uh, The Flavor of Green Tea Over Rice, which is an Ozu movie, Another Round, starring Mads Mikkelsen, which rules, um, another Ozu movie called What Did the Lady Forget, and then... La- oh, how was that one? Uh, it's fine. It's very similar to Flavor of Green Tea Over Rice, but not as good. Um, okay. And Wages of Fear, Last Night, and then Meshes of the Afternoon, At Land, and a study in choreography for camera, which are all Maya Darren shorts. I watched those yesterday. Have you seen Meshes of the Afternoon before Yeah, a this? couple years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just got a box. Cool. Not even a box set, just a disc of a bunch of her shorts for gotcha. Christmas. So did, did the Cats one show up on that? The Cats one? Yeah, she has a short film just like following a bunch of cats around. oh i don't know there's I really there's, a, there's a ton on there so maybe okay i'm i'm really i'm really interested in seeing that one at some point um some of the stuff i've watched recently um we rewatched the 2019 little women as a family recently and that's just the best movie ever um and it has made us decide that we're going to watch all four little women adaptions and that included watching the 90s one recently which very good but good just not nearly as good as the 2019 version. Uh, but I feel like that's going to be my reaction to every Little Women, probably. Um, Wait, when you say all four, so you're, you're watch, you watched the 1994 one, there's the, the, like, the old one. Um, there's the 31, the 47, the 94, okay. and the 2019. All right, okay, gotcha. There, yeah. There's, like, also, I feel like there's some other, like, terrible there's low TV. rent adaptations out there that yeah there's tv adaptions there's well there's avoid. a tv adaption where william shatner plays professor bear what <laughs> and my dad and i when we realized that we were just talking like joe my hands are empty i yeah i um i kind of want to check that out <laughs> i am curious sure um what else did i watch uh i've been re-watching a couple of my favorite movies which are harakiri and red shoes um, Minding the Gap, uh, Sleet and Julie Go Boating, which, please watch that, you guys. I watched it with my brother, and he was not a fan, and I need to talk about it as someone who likes that movie. It's coming out in a couple months. What if we, what if we don't like it? It's on the, it's on the channel. Just, just, uh, you guys will like it, maybe. 
it's weird. It's really weird. So I don't know. And then the last thing I think is, because I'm not going to bring this up in the 2020 review, because um, it sucked, was Wonder Woman 1984, which sucked, and it just sucked so bad, and I'm so disappointed because I loved the first Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman 1984 sucks in ev- every possible way. So that was disappointing. Uh, you guys got anything else? Nope. No, I, well, I, I will also just shout out, because I, I, I don't think we did last week what we were recently watching so in case i didn't mention it um also newly available new movies um sound of metal and never rarely sometimes always um are movies i caught up with that everybody needs to watch they are also extremely good it's been i've had a good like a good couple of weeks uh or a good month actually of catching up on 2020 movies that have all lived up to or exceeded expectations so i'm on, nice. I'm on a good run mm-hmm. sounds good yeah awesome uh all right, so that's all. Let me see if I can remember to do the opening by memory, or the closing by memory. Uh, thank you to Scott Brady for uh, the podcast artwork. Uh, you can find him at S. Brady Artists on Twitter. You can find us at Great Movies Pod on Letterboxd and Twitter. Um, and the Great Movies Pod Letterboxd will be updated very shortly. I was going to say, get, yeah, follow us on Letterboxd and get ready to watch me log the entire last <laughs> season all at once. Um, and then I'm going to stay caught up going forward. Um, but yes, get on board and, now. And that is it, I think. I so think Roger it. out. Roger out. Roger out. And when I go to the movies... I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people. Fast. Hello? Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you yeah. sound great. You're, okay. Okay. Yeah. What, I, did not, I didn't restart my whole thing. I just like re- exited out of Zoom and came all the way back. And okay. so I'm hoping we'll see. Oh, I was going to say if that was your internet, your internet reboots way oh, God, faster than no. mine. I know I'm, I'm terrified. Sometimes we try to reboot the internet and it just doesn't come back. So I'm <laughs> going to, I'm going to avoid trying to do that if at all possible. So you didn't um, stop your audacity recording. Nope. Right? nope. You have a little audio of me probably going do to do while I was um, resetting my zoom. So okay. oh, making weird noise when you're by yourself on audacity. <laughs> Enjoy. <is> yeah. <laughs> That, that, I was more conscious a, this time because of that. A, a dude to do is more normal than. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was uh, so anyway, weird. Anyway, the people are being deprived of my great thoughts um, 